0: Science. Hello and welcome to probably science uh, i'm one of your hosts, one of two this week, but oh we're going to have fun anyway guys uh, i'm
1: jesse case i'm matt cahen we we don't have an Andy this week, but we do have two guests we, we got do. we got two returning guests, two friends of the show, and friends of ours personally. And also two people involved in the brand new documentary Science Friction, which is all about the misreporting and rather misuse of science experts in TV and film documentaries. It is directed by one of the guests and someone I lived with for many years, Mr. Emery Emery. Hey, Emery. This is the sound of my voice. That is Emery's voice. You'll be hearing that. I don't know if you were hearing that more, but now you know what it sounds like. So you've got your dose of Emory, and I refuse to say anything else. Uh, you just ah uh, yeah uh, it doesn't anyway. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and the other guest get uh, someone who appears in the documentary as do I. We we both appear in it as I appear not... almost like a ghost. <laughs> he does. Yeah, l- look out for that because he's um he's it's, not officially it... in it, but there's like a scene where yeah, he sort it's... of...
0: It's weird. It's a science documentary, but it's very big on ghosts. That's which I've always <laughs> thought was strange about it, personally. Uh, it's, like, super spiritual, but then, I, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it starts with a seance. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and they say at the beginning of the documentary, like, it's only a seance. What could go wrong? But, oh, stuff goes wrong. Stuff starts to go really, really wrong. and um, And the only two surviving people from the documentary are... <laughs> Are me and Brian, Brian Mallow, who is a fellow comedian with a science background. Yes. And science bent.
2: A science Uh, bent, yeah. Not like uh, an academic background. Like, uh, I forget. Yeah, you've studied some math and stuff. And I liked science, but I didn't pursue. I took the arts path. But science... I loved science
0: way before comedy. Yeah, that's like saying I have a porn background.
1: You know? It's,
0: it's, it's, being an enthusiast is much different. Um, oh, I thought you meant your
1: like your desktop background.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I do. I do.
3: Um, Speaking of a, a, a porn background, I want to make sure that your listeners n- know this. It's manscaped with a D because it, you do not want to go where I went. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that sounds important. Um, now, I remember. Did
1: you? Did you I, ju- I just typed in Manscaped with a D. And.
0: Uh- <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse. Oh Much no. worse than what I just experienced. Oh, man. Well, Matt's laptop may crash from viruses, but we'll keep going. <laughs> um, now, uh, I remember when you guys uh, lived together. Um, and, uh, Emery, are you still in the same spot?
3: I will never move from here. Uh, Good. Rent, <laughs> rent control uh, ensures that. Okay. Good. Good. No, it's a, uh, it's a nice apartment.
0: Um, I'm into it. Brian, where do you live? What address?
2: <laughs> I, I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina, and that's as specific as you need to know right now. But, uh, yeah, I, I, but I'm, uh, you know, I first, I go way back with Emory. Uh, I was a comic starting out of Austin, Texas. Oh, cool and then a long time in San Francisco, but Emery and I met just as, I think, just because maybe I, th- I had other Kansas City friends or he came through Texas some, and uh, so just as uh, Matt goes pretty far back with Emery, I also go pretty far back. Yeah. Oh, I, mean, oh, I mean, think you, you never...
1: predate me, because I met Emery when he first came over to London in the mid-2000s. Ah. well, so, yeah, some we go reason, back
2: a little further.
3: And, and for mm. some reason, I, I have never been to Mallow's um, North Carolina place at uh, 374 Oak Street. But um, I yeah, to yeah. go there one day. <laughs> yeah. You were
2: here virtually when we shot this because I was. We, we did the, con- the production we did for the documentary was during the pandemic. And you were in Los Angeles and I was here in Raleigh. But we connected like I had a we had a great videographer here but we connected via FaceTime or something and uh, so we had a video chat and that's how you and Brian Dunning interviewed me it was really yeah. so
0: modern so Brian uh next week I'm going to see Paul McCartney in Winston Salem oh, and I'm going to oh, come really? yeah I'm going to come to your house yeah um, I, I should come. be going
2: <laughs> you have an extra ticket for that show I was no kidding. no
0: no god no in fact I I I need to um
2: Wait, where are you and why are you coming all the way here to see, because are you on the West Coast? I'm in Nashville. Oh, okay, because everyone's been seeing Paul McCartney in California just lately. Oh, you mean just, like, out and about? No, no, I mean, he's been doing some shows, I think, up in the Bay Area and possibly Southern California. There, there was yeah, he played while. L.A.
1: three nights ago. He was at a SoFi Stadium. Yeah. There was, there was that
0: little while where he was just out and about on the comedy
1: scene. <laughs> yeah, um, I, 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 I missed him really, every time, but every friends of mine just kept posting pictures of him at the improv. And, yeah, seriously?
0: Yeah, and it was always, like, I had to—I got uh, sick and had to leave L.A., and— then like a week later paul mccartney's (gasps) everywhere and he was like um it was brutal because i mean there's yeah there's such a good chance i mean it was like at the Uh, improv all the time there's such a good chance
2: um matt would particularly appreciate this one time when i was a san francisco comic and hung out very often at both the punchline and Cobb's comedy club and one night that i wasn't there Stephen Hawking came through. He had a private gig in town and him and his entourage came to Cobb's. (laughs) And I was like, oh, what a terrible night for me to miss, you know? Wow. There
1: was a period of time, uh, I told this on the podcast before, um, which uh, it was reported by Dana Gould when he, uh, Mm -hmm. but there there was a period of time when Dana was writing on The Simpsons that Stephen Hawking just sort of kept showing up. (laughs) (laughs) like. He did an episode of The Simpsons, and he's a big fan of The Simpsons, but then there was just, for a good couple of weeks afterwards, just every so often, Stephen Hawking would just be there, <laughs> to the point that they were just like, it's kind of getting weird now. Like yeah. Stephen Hawking's yeah, see, always here. <laughs> we can't write you into every episode. And that's called the Irish hello. That's when you just show up. Um, wow. Uh, by the way, uh, there, are, there, are, there are some discount tickets still available, um, resale tickets for the Winston-Salem epi- um, edition of show. the Paul McCartney tour.
2: Gosh, <laughs> I even have it in my calendar. It's like, when is it, Jesse? It's, uh, it's, it's, the, the, 21st. it's the 21st. The yeah. 21st. <sighs>
4: I've
2: Disney never yeah. seen him. That's the thing. It's like he's one of those guys that I wish I saw him decades ago. Oh, me too. Yeah. I still should. I, so have you ever seen him
0: before? Is this your I haven't time? seen him before. And it, and it kind of is weird because it's going to um, – I already know it's going to make me a bit sad, you know. But um, I'm going to go. I just – it's just interesting that he's still – I think the thing that's going to make me sad about it is he's still trying to rock out. And it's like, man, just sit down. You know? We just
2: want to hear the the tunes. I hear he puts on a phenomenal show still.
1: Me too. Me too. Um, I will be seeing hopefully a little bit of his set at Glastonbury uh, when I'm not on stage, we we're up against each other, so I am competing with Paul McCartney for audience <laughs> at Glastonbury. You're always doing that. That's, so, that's I know. So I always I'm always booking like I I played the uh, the parking lot of SoFi Stadium last weekend. And <laughs> no, I know.
2: Your your fans,
0: you and Paul's fans, must be really torn. No,
1: and it, yeah, yeah it's, it's it's
0: so conflicting for everyone.
1: You know, It is. It's, it uh, is. it's horrible. Because this could be the last chance to see me, you know, you never yeah, know. You never know. Just, you never and I'll know. be doing all the hits from, yeah. my, from my long career, from <laughs> yeah. the different incarnations of my career. Yeah,
0: it I'll opens doing... up with a video where you're duetting uh, right. with your old comedy duo. Yeah, Plus, when Matt's love...
2: in town, you never know who might just show up and join him on stage. <laughs> right, you
0: yeah. Know. You
1: never know. You never know. It's a party. Will I do my uh, James Bond uh, stand-up? <laughs> that I've, I've... <laughs> <laughs> Will I do some of my solo stand-up or the early stuff?
0: Will you do you your know, world's worst Christmas joke?
1: Yeah. Um, who knows? I like your, I like your Will early I do my frog routine? I like your early funny stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man. Will I do the bit where, you know, where I was just mostly covering some, you know, Chuck Berry jokes and... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> Who knows?
0: Um, so, so, uh, Brian, you are, uh, as, as we've covered a science and, and porn enthusiast. Um, <laughs> what, what got you Isn't into that it? redundant? When, what? Uh, yeah, I know. I know. What got you into it? When, uh, when were you like, Oh, this, I'm, I'm into this, I'm into uh, this field.
2: Oh, well, so, you know, I did have early, I actually did have really early comedy influences, too, which, like, George Carlin and Richard Pryor and the original Saturday Night Live uh, crew, and Steve Martin. I saw, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Steve Martin, and did you see that King Tut was in the news? And uh, I did. I did see that. Yeah. And I saw him do it on a tour. I saw him live in Houston when I was a lad and it was he was hilarious. So I had these comedic influences. I think George Carlin had a lot to do with the way I think. But then I had these science and science fiction ones, especially like Isaac Asimov. And I liked learning science and reading science fiction from him. And so these are just really early roots. And ultimately, I was pre med, and then I didn't want to follow through on that. So I went to graduate school in TV production. And during that, I discovered comedy, and it was geeky from the beginning. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: of course. Yeah. Of course. Now, this is fucked up. I've never seen Steve Martin live, but I have seen King Tut, which is weird. You I've saw King Tut live? I've, I've seen you King went Tut. To an exhibit? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. I went to an exhibit. I've seen
3: King Tut. He You've doesn't do s- the
2: song. You would, yeah, know, King you Tut th-
3: not as funny as Steve Martin. <laughs> no, it's brutal. It's brutal. Yeah. You know? Um, no, the, but the, the one is, time I saw King Tut, he died. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> who is at that age? What was he 13?
1: Um, uh, <laughs> e- e- Emery, let's talk about the documentary because let's. you directed it. Oh, yeah. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it was produced by Brian Dunning from Skeptoid, the Skeptoid yeah. podcast, Skeptoid Media. Uh, and let, uh, let's talk about it. like f- firstly, tell us what the documentary is, because we've discussed it a bit on this show. In well, we set out
3: to, we set out to prove that the media is lying to you. And we prove in our documentary unequivocally that King Tut did never existed. Absolutely <laughs> manufactured. Um, yeah, the, the, it's all about how bad science is is just butchered. In the media, and you know, you can start with you know ancient aliens, um, and and right there you're just done, right? It's a lie. It's they're (laughs) lying liars telling lies to to gullible people who 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 buy the lies. Well, how old do you think aliens are? You think they're young? I think that no, (laughs) I I I think that they have to be generational travel, so they're they're not you know they're in their twenties when they arrive here. Yeah, but. you know the whole lie of we're just asking questions. They're not just asking questions. That, that's another lie. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 so you know you can start there. And, and but then it gets so much worse when they interviewed uh, Ken Fader, who wanted to. Uh, they wanted him to tell their viewers on this mockumentary that they were making this fake documentary about Atlantis that Atlantis is real and this guy's an expert in Atlantis and they brought him and said we want you to say X Y and Z and he's like I'm not gonna say those things they're not true." And in the end, Vader was like, no, I'm not doing your stupid show. They were just, he, the guy literally, the producer literally said, what we're trying to do is we're trying to uh, uh, get some excitement about Atlantis because we have this. Uh, this cartoon movie coming out about Atlantis, and so we're, we're trying to connect the two. It's like, really, you just you, you need to lie to people and tell them Atlantis is real, so that they can watch a cartoon and believe it. You're an idiot. No, we're well, not. How, to, wait, how is
0: someone an expert in Atlantis?
3: Well, he's an expert in the history that uh, uh, that that underscores. Mm, Um, He's a mm. a geologist, but that understores the uh, absurdly stupid claims about Atlantis being a real place. Atlantis was a concept uh, that came from, uh, I forgot the name of the author. He's super, everyone knows his name and I'm an idiot. It was like Plato or something, right? Yeah, yeah, Plato, which, uh, you know, I I used to eat that stuff and that's that's all I know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I, 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 he knows that it's it's nothing more than an allegory from a story and that's the story he should be telling because that's his expertise and they're trying to get him to say things that, that confirm that Atlantis exists and he refused, in fact he didn't do their documentary. Uh, the only good, the only happy ending story we have in our movie is Ken Faders. He walked away and said, no, I'm not taking part in this dishonesty.
1: So, so to be clear, the, the documentary is, I mean, obviously it, it uses lots of examples and it tells a story over the course of it, but it sort of primarily starts from a point of times that scientists have been misled and misrepresented by TV and movie uh, right. documentary makers. When That's they're right. sort of invited onto... Invited on to both, like, use their expertise to tell something that does not... Oh, that was a strange noise. uh, Invited on to use their expertise to tell a story that uh, is not in keeping with their actual uh, beliefs. That's
3: exactly right. In fact, they're edited dishonestly after their interviews to make it seem like... They're, they believe something they don't believe, and that's messed up beyond measure. There's a they have a shark expert on Shark Week, uh, talking, and 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 they're talking about this shark that's supposed to be coastal of Louisiana, um, and 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 they literally dishonestly edited. Uh, the guy that they had on to make it sound like he was saying that shark is actually out in those waters when he's a shark expert, he knows there's no historic shark that's the size of ten buses out there. It's, it's absurd.
1: How many buses <laughs> is
3: the shark? Yeah, <laughs> no, folks, only only one and a half. Hmm. Mm. That's still a big evolution. shark. Evolution, evolution, man! It brings down the size of the shark over time.
0: I uh, I I get constantly annoyed when. Um well, I'm uh, about everything, but <clears throat> when um, things that are already so fascinating are made hyperbolic, you know, like sharks, it's already fucking nuts, man. They're sharks, you know, Exactly. Uh, but then they have to add like they they come out with a show that they found a new one that shoots lasers or whatever. And it's <laughs> like, no, man, they're, they're sharks. It's already just give me the thing. It's crazy already. Yeah, that's exactly, and and we talk about this in the movie,
2: because I know a lot of marine scientists that were really upset, because there are amazing things in the ocean, and there's one documentary they did about Megalodon, which was an amazing thing in the ocean, but it's it's very extinct, but they had to make a show that acted like maybe it's not extinct, and then they made another one about mermaids. (laughs) which doesn't even rise up to that level. <laughs> and and, mm. and the, all these marine scientists are so upset because it's like, you don't have to make up a, th- a story that mermaids are real when we could tell you 10 amazing wonders in the ocean.
0: If mermaids aren't real, then explain beautiful mute women. I see them sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and now I assume that they uh, had a life in the ocean. <laughs> right, so, I only assume that.
1: And also, you know, you've been you've been lured to rocks a few times. Uh, just, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. You know, the ones that keep you up for five or six days doing cleaning. And it's
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know weird. When I moved into my house, I live I live in a horrible part of Nashville. It's just a shit show. And when I moved in, the guy was I was like, uh, so is it loud? Is everything good? You know, because I, I wanted to record some music and stuff. And uh, and the guy goes, a lot of sirens. And I was just imagining like these beautiful women sort of singing in the <laughs> street, like oh, wow. you know, wow. into the
2: right neighborhood. Yeah, there's just
0: uh, constantly uh-uh. sailors being lulled down my street. <laughs> and it's like ah, these fucking sirens, man. It's it's horrible yeah.
2: here. Hey, how come everyone in this neighborhood wears those headphones? Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why well, are they always tied to
1: masts? What, what's yeah, going this on?
0: There? Is, this is awful. Oh my god. There's constantly a group
3: of lonely sailors running down my sidewalk. It's brutal. <laughs> 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 okay matt explain the tide to masts because i just finished uh watching season one of disenchantment and they tied the guys to the mast i presume so that the guys wouldn't break loose and get away and, and go to the island where the sirens yeah. are yeah. is that a real if, story that we've what's the story then? i
1: mean it's not a real story it's a story from greek mythology but was it right. Was it jason is it,
2: is it oedipus or something Or like
1: I, I'm pretty sure. I, I thought it. Was, I thought it was Jason. Uh, of In The Argonauts. Argonauts. Yeah, and it was. But I could. I could be wrong. But it was. It, yeah, it was basically. He was the captain, so he would be tied to the mast so that he couldn't do anything. And then the others sort of plugged up the ones who were rowing, plugged up their ears, and let me see.
3: And could you just say it's a true story and we'll edit it the way we need to? Exactly. <laughs> what <laughs> some people believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, is, is, it, is, is, is it Ulysses? Hang on. There we go.
3: Ulysses S. Grant. What's he got to do with this?
2: There, exactly. yeah, it was The sirens caused the Civil War.
1: <laughs> Ulysses, uh, Greek name Odysseus, uh, made with his men as they approached the sirens. Ulysses wanted to hear the sirens song, although he knew doing so would render him incapable of rational thought. So he put wax in his men's ears so, he, so they could not hear, and had them tie him to the mast so that he could not jump into the sea. Rational? He ordered them not- Already <laughs> rational?
0: Yep. Oh, like, uh, guys, to I to w- hear it. What about it? Yeah, what? Yeah, guys, um, I'm going to put wax in your ears and you need you to tie me to the mask because I don't want to get weird.
1: But
2: I want to hear this. <laughs> I really want to hear this.
1: No, it, hang on. It does go on. It, there is some sensible stuff in here because then he said he had them tie him to the mast so he could not jump into the sea. He ordered them not to change course under any circumstances and to keep their swords upon him and to attack him should he break free of his bonds. Uh,. And, and this then this sounds uh, this sounds like something someone is just living out a kink that's all this is. No 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 because he then says upon hearing the so- songs Ulysses was driven temporarily insane and struggled with all of his might to break free so that he might join the sirens which would have meant his death. His men however kept their promise and they refused to release him. So, you know, that's the facts behind the story.
2: That's pretty you much like what? having, you know, your friend babysit you if you're tripping or something. <laughs>
1: yeah tie me to this mast in case I get any <laughs> ideas, and you put this stuff in your ears. um who nailed the coin to the mast?
0: was that uh the in Moby a Dick? question
1: Oh, I don't know. it does say though uh, it it has this story has lent its name to a turn of phrase, an expression a ulysses pact so Psychiatric advanced directors are sometimes known as a Ulysses Pact or Ulysses Contracts, where there is a legal agreement designed to override a present request from a legally competent patient in favor of the past request made by that patient. <gasps> An example of when Ulysses Contracts are invoked is when people with schizophrenia stop taking their medication at the perceived remission times. And there's a tech con- context as well. In the wake of the Snowden, the Edward Snowden revelations, digital tech companies and commentators have had to consider the situation of a tech provider being ordered by a government to act in a way that they feel morally opposed to. One example is that Apple, as part of the FBI-Apple encryption di- dispute, decided to engineer the iPhone in a way that made it impossible for them to read the data on it, which has been described as a digital Ulysses pact. Wow. Ah, uh, So even if you want us to, we can't. And a re- related example is that of a warrant canary, oh. of the, which Cory uh, Doctorow, that's the, mm-hmm. the guy from Boing Boing, isn't it? Yeah. Um... Describes as being a Ulysses pact, albeit a weak one, since the issue of the canary can fail or be forced not to kill the canary. What is a warrant canary? It is a method by which a communication service provider aims to inform its users that the provider has been served with a government subpoena, despite legal prohibitions on revealing the existence of the subpoena. The warrant canary typically informs users that. Oh, okay, that's clever. So the, the warrant canary. Typically informs users that there has not been a court issued subpoena as of a particular d- date. If it's not updated for a period specified by the host or if the warning is removed, users might assume they've been served by the subpoena. Okay, I get that. So, like, if the FBI tells some t- technology company, we're issuing with a warrant and you need to give us this person's details, they're not, and part of the subpoena is you're not allowed to tell them that we've done that. Um, then they can't tell them they've done that but if they have a warrant canary set up where every whatever specified time they say still no subpoena from the government still no subpoena from the government and then they stop doing that uh, then you know that the government has said something even though they haven't explicitly told you
3: wow Um, Jesse was right by the way about the Moby Dick coin (laughs) oh Oh? known in the in, in the numismatic world as a Moby Dick coin, the Equi- uh, Ecuadorian eight, um, minted in Quito, uh, uh, Ecuador, between 1838 and 1843, is the ounce of gold sixteen-dollar piece. Captain Ahab nails to the mast of the, I don't know, Paquad, uh promising it to to the first man who raises Moby Dick. That's why why he did it. The coin is first mentioned in Herman Melville's 1851 novel *Moby Dick* in Chapter 36, the quarter deck. I had heard the quarter deck before, and later at length in Chapter 99, the doubloon. It is often mistaken as a Spanish doubloon, but this coin was not struck by the Spanish crown or endorsed, endorsed by the Spanish government. The *Moby Dick* coin was minted in the Republic of Ecuador. Uh, there you go. That's uh, that's that's that. I had not. Yeah, I was unaware of that. I had to yeah,
1: it. Yeah, I think people uh, often mix it up with a uh, Moby's Dick Coin, which is a new digital currency that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, Mo- Moby has released. Yeah, yeah. I got seventy five dollars worth. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't anymore. But uh, you can go, you got. Well, no, not since the truth about him and Natalie
0: Portman came out. The, the stock value on Moby's Dick Coin has just plummeted.
1: Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants that.
0: Nobody wants that. Dick, come on now, people. Um... Is Moby still a rat? What's going on? He's got a restaurant now? Is that what he's doing? I know, really? I know this isn't the theme of the podcast, but
1: let's... Uh... There, there is a, actually a really quite nice uh, vegetarian restaurant in Silver Lake that... I can't remember what it's called now, but Moby owns it. Hmm,
3: really? Moby's Coffee and Tea Company in North Hollywood. <laughs> Okay. Wow.
2: The internet has changed podcasting.
0: Yeah, <laughs> has re- it not? Remember, like, uh, remember just not knowing stuff. It was great. <laughs> I know. I wanted to say, what sorcery? By what sorcery do you <laughs> right. have like, information
2: at your fingertips? <laughs> no, all of you sudden? just you just yeah.
0: wander around not knowing anything. Um, remember when we had to well, like leave
2: the podcast halfway
1: about. through to go to the library and? Yeah, <laughs> just... you
2: know, we used to say, "Who knows a
3: lot?" You just don't even say that anymore. I
1: know. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's yeah. immediate. Uh, it's, and it's.
3: And it's sad that with this information at our fingertips, we still believe in friggin' mermaids. Well, yeah. <laughs> Because of this
0: information at our now, fingertips. let me ask you guys yeah, this, right? right? Let's let's put aside personal thoughts about um, the feasibility of it, or um, Elon Musk as a person, or any of that. <laughs> uh, let's set that aside for a second. If the Neuralink is a thing and we're to work and forget the societal ramifications and blah, blah, blah. If if it's a thing, what do you think that would do to conversations? Like if, if you just
3: had, if your brain was on the internet, you know, you yeah, just right. get the info. Well, the first question would be, I think, would you put your brain up there? Would you connect in? Right. Would you plug in? Well, let's say it's not plugged in. It's just, uh, it's just receives, right? It's like the same as
0: a. Um, Uh, It's like you can instantly know anything. You could just sort of do a brain Google.
2: Now, Uh, you're saying, like, just as like you're all of a sudden your brain can access these databases.
0: Yeah. So, like, you're having a conversation with somebody and they're like, I don't think the Sixers won the championship that year. And you're like,
2: I can, (laughs) you know, wrong.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And you check your brain brain inbox,
3: buddy. I got a link yeah, exactly. for you. Exactly.
0: Check well, your heads up display in your contact lens. Do you think that there would be there would start being ads and conversations you're having? Yeah, it, uh, would be,
3: it's, it would be abused like nobody's business,
0: first of all. Oh, Certainly, yeah, it's a horrible idea. But I'm but I'm just saying if it wasn't if we did it. Yeah, yeah I, unless you pay for the premium service. Because something being a horrible idea, I don't know how to tell you this, has never stopped <laughs> us before. No, that's uh, a
3: fact. That's absolutely true. The Neuralink concept, in my mind, is, um, is insane. The, the, the last thing we want to do is, uh, is, is give government and more, I think, dangerous corporations, you know, 24-7 access to our brains. They already do kind of have that. Uh, we certainly don't want to give them a direct link in that's why I think it would be abused like mad and uh, but the thing is
2: it'll come because of because for some people it solves an amazing problem like handicapped people if you can uh, move a cursor Access, without using fingers uh, just by thinking about moving the cursor and accessing a database there's going to be a huge population that it solves problems for miraculously if God wanted
3: you to move a cursor he'd give you hands to do it with
2: <laughs> and then other people will just go for it like out of laziness <laughs> But I think that – I think I f- felt like this was – I don't exactly know what techn- what part they're, they're focused on with Neuralink, like where – what industry they're aiming at. But that idea that if you can already do that, they already can, rudimentary – you know, people can move a cursor or even – there's even Mattel toys or something that you can – you know, like by thinking a certain way, you can make a little ball go up or down. Like it's it's, it's already been out in toys for a long time.
0: I'm, I've been doing it for years. Yep, there it is. So mm. if that, <laughs> it just seems
2: like a small step from there to a complete, like if I can think a word and have it appear there, and then we send it to you, then it's a sort of, uh, you know, electronic telepathy.
3: Sure, do we, we really want to live yeah. in a world filled with know-it-alls? I mean, really, come on, no. <laughs> Right. And by the way, look up a picture of the Neuralink Just search for N- Elon Musk's Neuralink brain chip Look at it No, no, I don't, I'm, I don't want a plunger stuck in my friggin' head Well, that's happened to me An actual plunger has been stuck in my head And it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny But if everyone had it, it'd be, um, it'd be a bummer Now, uh, Matt, I'm I looking did, I did get my penis caught in a toilet brush So I, I guess I'm, I'm the idiot here
0: yeah, well we've all been there I, um, I, Matt I'm looking at the story that you've sent that we're going to discuss um, but as, as per usual uh, I always read the sidebar first guys um, Margaret Thatcher's statue was egged within hours of it being installed <laughs> wow. wow I love that <laughs> uh, we're all done wow. here guys and just added nowhere <laughs> wow. uh, that's great really that's amazing um, so,
1: uh, fellas... To be honest, like, if they were being... Uh, I, I... I think if they were really being smart about it, it should have come pre-egged. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. what the market wants, and... And then yeah. it
2: would make no sense to egg it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it's just it's taking away more jobs.
0: Yeah, that's like how when I do a set these days, um backstage as they're calling my name, I just go ahead and squish a tomato in my face. Uh and then just go up. <laughs>
1: it's very important to, to pre tomato. Um who did like where did that come from as a as a trope, as a as an idea? Because I'm pretty sure did people used to actually go to shows with tomatoes yeah, was, or was it, it was, it, was, it, was like it like when there used to be like something right? in the no, it was, uh, would you just perform in the in the market square so there were already <laughs> no, there was people, already fruit to hand, or people would people travel
0: their, to venues with fruit? Like what's people going? would bring their lunch and stuff. Yeah, I think at the Globe Theatre, okay, um, you would just eat or whatever. You know, you would bring whatever you had, and then um, if something right. sucked, I guess yeah, bad that, enough, uh, you would throw your lunch at it, and
1: you probably, probably before they worked.
2: Throw- the least liked item in there, and that's the goddamn tomato.
3: According to Wikipedia, here the first vegetable thrown at a performer was when someone was performing a scene about meat, and a vegan was angry. So there you go. Hmm.
1: Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Wow, it's been around for longer than we thought. Who yeah. knew? Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I. You know. I guess you, know you
0: know what else no one knew.
1: Go ahead, Matt. No, what, what? <laughs> I'm just trying to. I'm just
0: trying to segue in. I'm just you know, I'm
1: trying to get us um, there. Was it what what the uh, the black hole in the heart of our Milky Way g- galaxy looks like? I never knew what it looks
0: like. I uh, I couldn't even imagine some sort of telescope giving us a glimpse of the turbulent heart of our galaxy, Matt.
1: Yeah, this is the same team that that uh, came up with an image of a, a, another further away black hole. A couple of years ago, mm-hmm. but uh, a bunch of people like. So uh, this has been the most sent in story this week. Um, so thank <laughs> you everyone who sent it in. But the black hole itself, known as Sag- Sagittarius A star, uh, I don't. I, I presume is is that or is that an asterisk?
2: I don't no, know. That's, but that's how they pronounce it. It's an asterisk, and that's how they pronounce it. Yeah.
1: They actually say Sagittarius A-star. A. Oh, they they, they do say A star. They, they do, they
2: and that's the reference specifically to the black hole. I think.
1: Ah. It, it, so it, it obviously cannot be seen because no light or matter can escape its gravitational grip, but its shadow is traced out by a glowing fuzzy ring of light and the matter that is swirling on the precipice at close to the speed of light. Mm-hmm. uh This is... But wow. by the way, there's a really good... Uh, I think it's um on the Veritasium channel. There's a really good video that explains why it looks like that, why it looks kind of donut-shaped, mm-hmm. and why... why Because um, you'd think, like, this thing is is spherical in its nature or at least the the light around it the energy around it would be spherical in its Mm -hmm. nature Um, so why don't you just see it as like a star or like a sun but it's because the light that we the energy that we actually see has mostly come from behind it and is then bent back around by the gravitational field so we're kind of seeing the almost the light that's almost reflected from the back of it rather than uh, rather than coming straight at us that makes sense. Also,
3: even, even from the Earth, its gravitational effects are felt. If you look at it too long, it will rip your Neuralink right out of your head. <laughs> it will.
1: Yeah, this is true. Like, I, I'm looking at the picture, but I, it tells you to blink on the f- frequently, because that can really happen.
3: <laughs> yeah, you have to use a filter, otherwise you're in trouble. How can you yeah. possibly see the center of our galaxy from a flat Earth? That's the dumbest thing I've ever
0: heard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that is a, that
3: is a solid point.
0: That is a solid point. Um, oh, is there an eclipse tonight? I know there's a super oh, right. super wolf blood oh, sh- moon or some shit. There's yes, a big there lunar is.
1: Eclipse. Yes, is there? Good, good point. I completely forgot about that. But yes, it starts. Uh, I can't remember. It, well, there's. A, you need to look online to see exactly what time it starts in your local area. But it's it's around. I think it starts around 7 p.m. in LA, and it peaks at around 9 p.m. Too many yeah. moons.
0: Matt, Matt, and
1: I have gone yeah. on about this. There, there are there are too many moons in general, but an eclipse is a different deal. Like, no, that's, I, I'd no, say, like, of
0: course, that's that's a moon. Your super expect. moons, your blood moons. No, they but can t- all fuck off. tonight is also some sort of because an eclipse is happening. They've named the moon right. Oh, so, okay. So tonight's like a super hunter's wolf blood harvest or some shit. <laughs> it is. And it's it's too <laughs> much, man. It's too. It always just looks like the fucking moon. I yeah, go out there and th- look at it.
1: I'm going to say like the the moon marketing board has overstepped. They've overreached and
0: they're they're going nuts with it. And and it's like who makes money? You know, it's one of
3: the only things that's still free is the fucking moon. I'll yeah. tell you who makes money. It's the werewolf consortium. They're trying to get us out into the open staring <laughs> at the full moon so that they can come turn us into werewolves. That's 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 It's lunacy. Follow the money, guys. It's lunacy. It is lunacy. uh,
2: Hmm. What kind of business model is that? You can only do it for like one day each month at best?
0: Yeah. See, to me, werewolves are not a scary monster. They're not. They're They're the least scary of the universal monsters.
2: (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe 29 days of the month, but that other day, they're pretty scary. Yeah, just stay inside. Werewolves are scary? Stay inside.
3: Uh, i I think they're scary as hell compared to zombies I, I,
0: yeah, but that's not know? a universal monster I mean I'm talking creature from the black lagoon, right yeah i'm yeah, talking yeah. i'm talking uh I'm talking Dracula. okay the you mummy know. kind of a zombie, the mummy the mummy sure sure yeah, he is to, a zombie is to it? me, it's a werewolf is the least threatening uh, of of any of them you know with the teeth
2: yeah.
0: and the yeah it's just a dog guy. You know, like it's dogs dog are guy. dogs are cool. <laughs> I'd rather hang out with a dog guy than a guy guy. You know?
3: Like <laughs> it's Jesse's best dog friend dog. is the werewolf. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> it's man's it's man's best friend and then a guy that's kinda my friend. I don't see the problem. Like <laughs>
3: God damn it. Uh, I don't see what do issue the flat here. earthers think is happening? When I saw a flat earther online recently that was losing his mind over the fact that during a solar eclipse you cannot see the moon, and this was—he uh, didn't say what it what it, it supported his views, but he didn't say how. Which is how these incels function. Why well, I think we should just tell them that the Earth is shaped like a boob and then watch the incel go nuts looking for the nipple.
1: Is there, is there a big incel flat Earth crossover? I wasn't aware of this. There's, are you Mo- kidding me? It's a circle on the Venn diagram. So
3: No one getting laid thinks about the shape of the earth. Fact. I
1: don't, End of I don't, story. I, I don't does. believe Venn diagrams are circular. I, I think uh, they are I'm straight so, lines. I'm sorry.
3: On, on the Venn's oblique spheroes. Spher- <laughs> <laughs> this,
0: so, this is a true story. I had a date. Uh, one time that 's the end of the story
3: no, I had a date uh, we, we don 't believe it
0: <laughs> i had a I had a date one time and found out mid date that she 's a flat earther really yeah, because you don 't you uh, listen when you meet somebody and you're uh, you assume they know the shape of the planet that 's assumed i don 't yeah. pre screen for planet shapes, you know yeah. what I mean um, so I found out she 's a flat earther, and the date ended my my uh, my horniness does not trump that. You know what I'm saying? Like I want to I you know, know how
2: you found out. Did you say like Yeah, I'm about away. to take a?
0: Did you say like
2: I'm about to take a trip to Australia? And she's like Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. No, no. We were well, just the horizon's just, looking
1: pretty round tonight. <laughs> no, uh, no, we were just
0: <laughs> we were just talking about uh, stuff of, like you know, of getting to know each other, uh, interesting factoids or whatever. And she said, um, so I'm a heliocentric model skeptic. And I was and I said um, and I was like what uh what what the fuck are you talking about what is that and and then I found out it just means flat earther and um and the date ended. Now she texted me later, um, you know via satellite, which I didn't bring up exactly. But she texted me uh, later that it wouldn't have worked out anyway because of um I'm because of my horoscope sign.
2: Uh, which I assume <laughs> is, is interesting,
0: w- which involves stars and things that are
3: round. She and, found it, out you're a Sagittarius eh? Yeah, hey, bringing it back. That's the,
1: um, a that's a good point. Like I mean, I, I'm sure they do have these incredibly convoluted models that they've worked out that somehow that sort of <laughs> vaguely describe the motion of the 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 stars and the heavens. But if if you are predicting. To sort of calculate people's star signs, to predict where, where the various stars are going to be, you do need the model of the uh, universe that she despises or right, distrusts. Right. That's right. That yeah, yeah.
3: Wow. That's insane. You know, Sightly... She believes in the rotation yeah. of the planets.
0: My point is she was not an incel. Huge whore. <laughs> and so, so I, but I haven't met many um, male flat earthers, you know-huh right. and, and, a, and, and a Jesse is whore. using Everyone that
1: in I, the most sex positive sense as well. Yes so I like, do. Right.
0: Everyone in the podcast is very pro uh, getting yeah, laid. Yeah, do it do it come on, do it. <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I never use horror as a slur. You know, Um, yeah, yeah, be one. It's a genderless uh, compliment. (laughs) Um, But my my point is uh, she was not a member of the incel incel community. So I don't uh, I think that's why I brought that up.
3: All right, I'll I don't know if my, this is, this is a, a little
0: diagram.
2: adjacent to that, but on dating apps, <laughs> I've seen people say that they're like religious, like Christian. Okay. So in part, they're saying they're Christian and they also say that your sign is important. And it's like, I don't mm. know, there's something that I haven't thought it through, but doesn't that almost seem like a conflicting cosmology? Like, yes. well, Jesus it's, Christ is your savior. You believe the Bible, but also I'm a Capricorn. So that See,
0: That's one of those things to me where someone is asking, accidentally making a huge bigger point that they don't they don't realize. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like if you if you're talking about like Saturnalia and why Christmas is near the solstice or whatever, it makes perfect sense. Uh but it's just like they don't know that's why they're into both right. things, you know? It's like uh, uh, to me a great example of that is dinosaur-shaped chicken nuggets. And it's like that's <laughs> that's what the dinosaurs became. That's fucking brilliant. Right. Yeah. You know? It's, it's like it's a little evolution lesson right
3: there in the grocery store.
0: But yeah. um you know, I think people don't consider it related. Yeah, guys, well, had too much that coffee. she can get uh, a boob
3: job, and she can become a well-endowed earther. Because uh, it's sad. oh, I Let's see just what just you did sad. there
0: about the that um, That's why we call it a flat Earth. Oh yeah,
3: you'll edit out this part, and just I will. Oh, yeah, I laugh. yeah, yeah we will. Okay. If we if we don't edit it out, it's because together. we couldn't figure out how to do it.
0: So, guys, this Event Horizon Telescope, this. This, this uh, thing went up there. And that's a network of eight radio telescopes spanning locations from Antarctica to Spain to Chile. And it produced the first image of a black hole. That was back in 2019. Um, that was in a galaxy called Messier 87. Um, now, Professor Sarah Markoff, that's an astrophysicist at the University of Amsterdam and co-chair of the EHT the, uh, Science Council. That's the Event Horizon Telescope Science Council or the EHTSC. Or the <laughs> F, uh, said that the Milky Way's black hole was our main target. It's our closest supermassive black hole. It's the reason we set out to do this thing in the first place. Mm. It's been a 100-year search for these things, and so scientifically, it's a huge deal.
3: Um, the and they think profile- that there's a massive black hole at the center of every universe. Is that correct? Galaxy, yeah. Galaxy, I should have said universe.
0: Yeah, it. yeah. Uh, and perhaps not a supermassive one. Maybe just a massive one. Or maybe just a, a mid-range one. I don't know. No, uh, mostly supermass. It's very you know the the ones there are
2: as far as I know. Maybe there's more categories, but there's the kind of black hole that a big star becomes. Just a single big star, bigger than our star, at the end of its life, can collapse to become a black hole. And some of those can be pretty big, but then they're not in that same category. Those are stellar black holes, and then these other supermassive ones. And I don't know. I think there's a big gap in between. The supermassive so ones
3: so at the heart of galaxies. Ones and, right. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. There yeah. I think that basically there's like interesting... Every, yeah. Uh, when I look at a galaxy, I just think it's like a big, huge toilet bowl um, slowly over billions of years just going down the drain. I mean, eventually, does a whole galaxy get sucked into its supermassive
1: black hole, theoretically? Well, so this is one of the things that it talks about in this article is how how slowly this black hole is consuming material right compared and, to the and how big is the is the galaxy's s pipe to block the, <laughs> um hmm. so so the the image of the black hole m87 star from a couple of years ago uh looks very similar but the two objects are extremely yeah. different both in size and and nature so, M87 is one of the largest black holes in the universe and features vast, powerful jets that launch light and matter from its poles into intergalactic space, whereas Sagittarius A is significantly smaller, orders of magnitude smaller, and it is consuming only a trickle of material in contrast to the typical depiction of black holes as violent, ravenous monsters of the cosmos. Uh, Michael Johnson of the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics says, if it were a person, it could only consume a single grain of rice every million years. <laughs> So, let's hope it doesn't become a person, because that's really not going to...
3: We shouldn't be talking about it like this, because if it gets wind of it, it might get pretty pissed off and start sucking us all in just to show what it can do.
1: (laughs) Oh, you think I only want... What if I start having more grains of rice? Then where would you be?
0: (laughs) Hmm. If it were a person, it would only consume a single grain of rice every million years. Hmm.
3: Yeah, so is Are aren't we aren't we health shaming this black hole?
0: Yeah, this just sounds like, you know, if this black hole has some sort of issue, like it's it's fine. Maybe um, it has anorexia, it just isn't eating. This this what what's it called S-G-R-A? A or Sagittarius A? Yeah. That's um,
3: the one at the center of the our, our gal- of our galaxy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So no.
0: so they say it's giving us a view into the much more standard state of black holes, uh which is just very quiet, very low key. Um they say it's exciting because it's common. The, the latest observations also appear to show that our black hole's angle of rotation is not neatly aligned with the galactic plane, but it's off-kilter by about 30 degrees and hint at spectacular magnetic, uh, magnetic activity to that scene in the sun's atmosphere. Beyond the science, astronomers acknowledged an emotional connection with finally seeing the enigmatic object about which our home galaxy revolves. It's another donut, but it's our donut, <laughs> uh, said uh, Younsi. Despite being local in astronomical terms at 26,000 light years away, uh, observing Sagittarius A turned out to be more challenging than anticipated. The team spent five years analyzing data acquired during fortuitously clear skies across several continents in April 2017. We all remember that. We all remember the April 2017 clear sky phenomenon.
3: Um, oh, yeah. Very fortunate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, if it weren't for global warming, that wouldn't be happening. So, g- <laughs> good for global warming.
0: Uh, does global warming create more clear skies or would it, would it be more of a hazy? I don't no, know. I don't, I don't know. I feel like
2: the, the, the higher the temperature,
0: the more water vapors in the and air. That's what I'm saying. Probably yeah. not yeah.
2: Right. That's Exactly. That's, Hazier. Yeah.
3: Um, yeah. Great. Hmm. So, we've just, just proven global warming. Well done, guys. Good podcast. Thanks. Yep. <laughs> yep. Doesn't exist hoax liberal hoax um huh
2: very interesting. you know well, before they got this visualization this isn't the first evidence that there is this black hole in the center of our galaxy or others like and, no. and, and in the case of ours what they had visualized is some of the stars that are closest to the center and closest to that black hole have whipped around it like they they've over 20 years or so taken photos and they've seen some of the closest ones just sort of in an elliptical orbit right like when they get close to it whip around kind of fast like really fast for considering it's a
0: star um so they'd seen that without seeing the black hole do they know in it's way. an elliptical orbit or is it just orbiting at 30 degrees off
2: these are those are two separate things what i'm talking about is the elliptical orbit of another star that was in the vicinity of, like close to well, this. That's what I'm saying. But, but that, I'm so, oh, oh I'm I don't assuming, know what orbit they. I'm assuming yeah, it but,
0: would be a spherical orbit, is what I'm saying. So I, I or or eventually would be as it oh, circles well, the no, drain. Oh well, no, like you
2: know, I don't know about that because you know all of our like the planets in yeah. our solar system have. To different elliptical. degrees, of elliptical. Right. I mean, some of them are pretty. I think that you like the Earth's orbit is pretty damn round, but it is an ellipse. But it's 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 not hugely elliptical. Whereas I think Pluto has a really elliptical or wildly. And so yeah. some stars, like I think that because there's this thing where you see them, they get a little farther away and they move slower. But right. when they come to that orbit where they they're close, they whip around, and it's oh, yeah. a star. It's a mass the size of us it's of a star
0: moving that fast
2: like i, I well, don't know analy- what an
0: elliptical orbit fast. is a low impact orbit i prefer it to a treadmill orbit um, <laughs> <laughs> that's right, right. the galaxy getting old um, about <laughs> you know we all
3: laughed at your joke you
1: jerk <laughs> yep yep, <laughs> yep um matt what else we got man well so it, it, bizarrely interestingly, you, you said uh you are asking about air pollution cuz um and uh, and temperature and global warming, because there was a story that Justin Broad sent in from CNN that reducing aerosol pollution has led to a surprising effect of more hurricanes in the North Atlantic. Hmm. So U.S. and Europe worked for decades to reduce air pollution for the sake of public health and the planet, but there is an unattend- unintended and challenging consequence. <laughs> is I'd it unintended,
3: it, really? We, I mean, we, we just can't catch a break. We, can't, we just, intentionally we got...
0: We intentionally got rid of awesome '80s hair for the environment. Now <laughs> yeah. more hurricanes, and this whole well, yeah, time we could have had awesome '80s hair.
2: Those eight that those hurricanes are going to create some of that '80s hair again. I, uh, see, it's full. So, <laughs> I don't yeah. know.
3: Uh, listen, the hurricanes are taking out mostly uh, trailer homes, and so isn't that cleaning up the environment as well? I mean, oh, Amory, Amory, what did I say? What did I say? <laughs> I, well, it just just was it's, just arrested in one. What more need I say?
0: <laughs> well, it's just it's sim- it's simply inaccurate because of the amount of 80s hair still in. Still present, <laughs> um, Fastest callback ever. That was beautiful. Yes. Yes. Uh, so as the U.S. and Europe worked for decades to reduce air pollution for the sake of public health and the planet, scientists found an unintended and challenging consequence, an increase in tropical storms. A new study published Wednesday in the journal Science Advances found that over the past four decades, a 50% decrease in aerosols, those are tiny particles of air pollution, over North America and Europe led to a 33% increase in the number of tropical cyclones in the North Atlantic. On the other side of the world, the study found that a 40% increase in aerosol pollution in China and India over the same time period sparked a 14% decline in the number of tropical cyclones. How how the fuck do we know this is related?
3: Well, that's the thing I, I was about to say. Correlative Exactly, um, science. I think might be the the, the Achilles' heel of our s- current scientific state. I think one day we're going to realize just how stupid we were at drawing conclusions. Well, let's that we see. Didn't, let's see how we prove it here. I mean, I, I, yeah,
0: I, yeah. Um, so they say uh, decreasing aerosol emissions is something that's good for human health, but on the other hand, we found there are some bad effects when we reduce emissions, and that is hurricane activity. Um, Aerosol, And that's the head of uh, NOAA, the, the NOAA's Geographical Fluid Dynamics Laboratory. Uh-huh. Aerosols aren't like greenhouse gases. They're tiny particles of pollution that float in the air, and unlike carbon dioxide or methane, which absorb sunlight and lead to warming, uh, they reflect sunlight back to space, which has a cooling effect. There are natural aerosols, but much of the pollution in the early to mid-20th century came from sources like industrial smokestacks and car exhaust. Murakami, that's the head of this um, fluid dynamics um, laboratory at NOAA, found that as aerosol pollution decreased in the decades following the U.S.'s Clean Air Act and similar actions in Europe, the ocean could absorb more sunlight, leading to warmer sea surface temperatures that fueled more storms. Hmm. Was this study funded by Dow Chemical? I I mean, it still seems correlative (laughs) to me. Um, Unless they're saying reduce... Because it's basically saying... That reducing aerosols is causing global warming? Is that the...
3: Yeah. Um, uh, I believe that picking up rats by the tail gives them cancer. Okay? That's what I think.
1: Right. Yeah, but you're picking up by the tail and then smoking them, so I don't know... <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. Um,
0: It says here, actually, reducing aerosol emissions is kind of like quitting smoking. When a person stops smoking, they improve their health and can avoid cancer. But in some cases, quitting also comes with side effects, including gaining weight and feeling stressed. Aerosol decreasing is actually similar, he says. Aerosol decrease may lead to good health, but on the other hand, hurricane risk increases. This is where good things accompany bad things. It's kind of like pros and cons. It sounds like one of those, like, you know, one day... If
2: things get really screwed up as we're headed, that uh, various geoengineering ideas will be floated. And one will be something like this, a different kind of aerosol that maybe isn't bad for our lungs. But this aerosol, like they have talked about this kind of thing. What if we add this to the atmosphere to reflect sunlight before it can get absorbed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's the, uh, the start of several dystopian movies. Or start that way, with like, with, yeah, with like releasing something in the stratosphere that's sort of reflective. I mean, it's, yeah.
2: I love saying wow. that the, the thing about, uh, is that like, what is it about unintended consequences? They're so hard to predict.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, impossible to predict. So I don't know. I don't know if I buy it. I I, I appreciate the the I appreciate the scientific explanation, but it just really, really kind of smells of BS to me. I I, I, I just don't I don't buy it. I mean, we we are. I don't know. I don't know. We were
2: placed on God's flat Earth. Well, it's (laughs) for a reason.
0: one One of the things that they're bringing up, though, is that the apparently the frequency of hurricanes dropping during aerosol pollution. So. Their theory is that the aerosols created some sort of vacation from hurricanes in the Atlantic. Mm. But then when they reduce the aerosol forcing, it kind of springs back. Um, We have several things that we think are going on in the Atlantic, and this paper is among those that are trying to sort of tease out the relative influence of these different things. Murakami said he predicts that aerosol pollution will remain stable, so greenhouse gas emissions will start to have a stronger influence on hurricanes over time, particularly on their intensity. Uh, Climate science is very complex and it's a work in progress, especially for hurricane activity. Murakami said what we saw in the past 40 years may not be applied to the future. So we may see something much different.
3: That's called a disclaimer. Um, So so, yeah, everything I just told you probably doesn't have anything to do with the future. Great. Thanks. Yeah. Well, I mean, Um, (laughs) yeah, I I, have you guys seen the story, um, the correlative graph of lead from, you know, leaded right. cars and violence. Do you know about this one, Mallow?
2: Yeah, I don't know enough to to say well, but there's, yeah, there's, there's a lot of evidence that if you look at these patterns of when our gas was leaded and unleaded, that um, there violent are all crime. sorts of things that have to do with violent crime and intelligence and um, that they think that it's on such a scale that this choice to use leaded gasoline... May have had this big an impact on, on society. Violence. Yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Hmm. And I, again, I don't, I don't know if those make sense or not. I, I, what, what, what's missing there is a study that shows which I don't know how you do that study, right? You, you just take a bunch. I think of rats that one
1: just- there is evidence for that. There is evidence that they, because um, you can look at amounts of lead, because lead, heavy metals stay in people's systems. Uh, like lead, mercury, yes. and stuff. So you can you can they actually analyze. Levels. Yeah, so so from that you you can actually sort of directly analyze amounts of lead in the bodies and and do comparisons, and and you can also compare areas that have more and less traffic pollution. So you can see, um, right. You know, it's it's not just going by year. It's also going by like, okay, well, this area really lowered the amount of lead, um, and different countries change their. Uh, regulations at different times, yeah. So, so there there is more that they can do to sort of find causative effects. And you know what? There's a
2: there's a Wikipedia entry for lead crime hypothesis, and it says that it's not mutually exclusive of other explanations, but that this was like there was a fall in crime rates and varying levels of blood levels of it, but there's another one they go, such as legalized abortion and crime effect, and have you heard about that one too? No. That that when, when previously people were forced to have all these babies, and that when roe versus wade came through and they weren't forced to have these babies that then some 18 years later there's a decrease in crime like the theory being that there aren't as many unwanted children that had hard lives that
1: turned right. to crime There is right. a i think that's in uh the, the beginning of freakonomics the first free economics book hmm.
3: yeah amazing that sounds familiar so we're coming back around to that apparently 50 years of bodily autonomy for women was more than enough, apparently.
1: Yeah, they've had their chance. <laughs> <laughs> what'd they do with it? Yeah, what'd they do with it? Yeah, here we are. Damn it. Um, uh, yeah. oh, I think I think there's there's time to squeeze in another story or two in the in the main episode, and then sneak in an extra one for the the Patreon patrons. Yeah, um, why not? We've had. They deserve um, it. By the way, just just a little email from our, our listeners. Just listeners' mailbox. Our, our listener Dimitri pointed out. We asked what the the counterpart to Yakov Smirnov in Russia was, and he says it is Oscar Hackett. He reckons is the closest to that. Really? There is a there a, is a British. Yeah, he's he's a British. He's Russia's British comedian. <laughs> wow. Oscar Hackett.
3: That's amazing! Wow. In and, London, England, I can't, uh, can't even think of the reversal. I know I can't even doing. know how to pair. Yeah, like and an he, he
1: also says that, that the that the most popular in terms of audience recognition comedian in Russia, who told jokes about the U.S. and Americans, was Mikhail uh, Zadornov, whose catchphrase was "Americans are so stupid."
3: Oh my god, <laughs> that's the case. oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. Soorthy's format. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> that's Americans are so stupid. Very clever, really. You may be an American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just it's uh, it's always so cheap when the material writes itself though, you know? <laughs>
2: yeah,
3: right. It's <laughs> yeah, God forbid anybody should do humor that's not hard to come up with. I've yeah. never understood that I re- argument.
2: <laughs> I remember performing in in Canada like it at the end of the last century, and uh, I'd come on. I was headlining, and they'd put on, like, four or five Canadian comics before me, and they would be bashing, and it was after the Gulf War, um, and and they would be bashing America, and I just thought, like, amateurs. It's like, let an American come on and bash America if you want to see how to bash America, <laughs> you know?
1: Well, that that was for, for a long time that, like, any Americans who were... Uh maybe not not the ones who were briefly visiting but the ones who are based in the UK and did comedy would they would it would be something they'd address up top very quickly yeah you have to you have to
0: during the bush years it was like you you had to there was open vitriol um yeah i remember um, being in canada during all that and it was a similar vibe you know
2: yeah i would say that i'm i'm not really an american i'm from san francisco it's sort of like southern canada sure
1: <laughs> so i kind of sucked up like that
0: sure
2: yeah uh, this is
1: this is quite a cool story uh, given sent in by listener andrew mckay and since we've got a filmmaker on the show with us Emery. Uh, Very cool i don't story. know if you're, you're having trouble with you know your, your depth of field you're, you're focusing on your cameras. So here's uh-huh. a new yeah, you're one. Sick, that... You're
0: sick of the A24 look, you know? You just okay, want everything right, to right, be right. there, you know? So uh,
1: <laughs> here's one that you might find handy. A record breaking camera that keeps everything between three centimeters and 1.7 kilometers in focus. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> yeah. Isn't this like progressive I, I, lenses?
2: Isn't this what that, that they sell to old folks like us?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's all it is. It's just like a flip down. So you wear your normal camera lens, but then you can flip (laughs) down the. (laughs) If you're trying to film something that's a mile away, then you have to flip down the other one. It also
2: get darker when you go, like, and lighter if you step outside or
1: inside. Yeah, it is and it's got a little chain so it doesn't it, so it can't get lost and if you fall over there's like an alarm you can press and it'll instantly call someone <laughs> to help.
2: Well, <laughs> I don't know about you but interestingly in that what this isn't really about glasses but about a, a really high-tech camera. But on your page are you being I'm getting all ads for glasses like Warby Parker and oh. every ad I have is related to like
1: prescription I think glasses. I have Huh, I have I an even... ad blocker. I think that is doing its job better uh, than yours. So I'm apologies getting... <laughs> to newatlas.com dot com for costing you money. I'm getting uh, all mermaid porn. This is weird. <laughs> I gotta watch my,
3: watch. What I say? around You're just computer. getting your
2: usual per- mermaid porn. Yeah. I, 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 I I wish can't I could
3: see nev- any of the ads that I get. I, I, they're all blurry.
1: <laughs> well, this this will fix your problem, Emery. I tell you. Um, and, and I, I wish I, I now wish I could remember. By the way, this is one of those sort of like I get sent around on the sort of self. Internet conservative self owns uh, <laughs> Twitter accounts and Tumblr accounts, but it was what I'm trying to remember which conservative commentator it was who tried to kick up a fuss with like D- this disgusting website is putting this forward as an advert on its pages. And oh, that's funny, it was like it was like something like animal porn or something like that. And there's someone that commented underneath, um, This is a targeted ad based on your web browsing history, <gasps> right? That's fantastic. right. Nice. that's fantastic, god damn yeah. it. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, that. I
3: love. I'm trying to go to
0: Lego.com with my child, and oh I'm getting these God. ads for. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Why would they do such? Oh thing? my God! There's um, so much humor to be had from conservatives. It's such a tragedy that they're being killed by the virus in higher numbers.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, guys. So, what is this story? This
2: is tied you know what back else?
3: Something about a trilobite.
0: Yes, you know what else died in high numbers? Is, uh, is tri- trilobites <laughs> in the ocean? So, the uh, guys. In photography, depth of field refers to how much of a 3D space the camera can focus on at once, right? So mm-hmm. you'll hear cinematographers talk about it, a shallow depth of field. And you see those shots in movies where um, everything's all fucking blurry except for, like, somebody's iris on their eye. It, you know, it's, you see it a lot in uh, just art school
3: films. It's the portrait yeah. feature on the iPhone.
1: Yes, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so portrait mode is a shallow depth of field where the thing in the very foreground is in super, super high, like pops out of at you um, right. uh, quality resolution, but the background is blurry, whereas a a, um, a, a, deep. a deeper depth of field keeps more of it in focus at any one time. Mm-hmm. So
0: now researchers at the National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, have taken inspiration from ancient trilobites to demonstrate a new light field camera with the deepest depth of field ever recorded. Uh, Oh, sorry, trilobites. I mispronounced that on account of being stupid. So trilobites (laughs) uh, swarmed the oceans about half a billion years ago. They're distant cousins of today's horseshoe crabs. Huh, I didn't know that. Their visual systems were quite complex, including compound eyes, featuring anywhere between tens and thousands of tiny independent units, each with its own cornea, lens, and photoreceptor cells. One trilobite in particular, Dalmanatina. Good luck, Jesse. Fuck off. (laughs) All right. Dalmanatina. 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 I think that's it. I think you nailed it. Socialist. Dalmanatina socialist. Captured the attention of NIST researchers due to its unique compound eye structure. Fossil record examination of the Dalmanatina socialists <laughs> indicates that this little guy uh, had a double layer lenses throughout its visual system. Unlike anything yeah. else in today's arthropod kingdom, Dalmanitina socialists uh, had the upper layers of these lenses, had a bulge in the middle that created a second point of focus. So that meant that the... Everyone, Dalmanatina socialist, was able to focus both on the prey right in front of
3: it and the predators that might be approaching from farther off. So essentially, it had. I can a, help you. By the way, you can refer to them as D- Dalman D- Sorry, Dalmanites. Yes, the trilobite yes. Dalmanites. The um, so this is very
0: interesting because it has a lower lens unit, has a lens like we all have, but then it has a secondary upper lens unit that focuses everything, sort of in a triangle towards yeah, the so, end, it ha- so it
1: has a bulge. So yeah, this sort of double lens ends up giving it sort of two different focal points, two different.
0: Yeah, it gets near and far, and, and the research team decided to see whether they could apply this kind of idea to a light field camera. When regular cameras basically take in light and record color and luminance information across a 2D grid, light field cameras are much more complex, encoding not just color and luminance, but the direction of each ray of light that enters the sensor. When the entire light field is
1: captured in this way, uh, okay, yeah. So I have, we we oh, years ago uh, we, we talked about light field cameras. Yeah. So these these are these these are cameras that because they record the de- the the angle, the direction that each light ray is coming in. One single photo, you can basically scrub between all the different focal lengths at any one time. Right. right. But that means like each picture is huge numbers of megabytes. Yeah, doing this with
3: the lens, right? They're not doing this with with calculations and, and computer chip. So, they're so,
1: it so it's lens. both. As far as, from, from my understanding of this, correct me if I'm wrong, Jesse, because I think you got the grip of this. But they they're combining two different things at once. They are they are both using these light field cameras that allow you to basically record all different focal lengths that the lens can give you at once. Right. And they are adding to that this double lens idea that they've stolen from the trilobites, from the that they've interpret that borrow, you know they've but adapted from nasty They're just yeah, they a paying
2: no royalties
0: they have adapted
2: from oh, these come on. these Every prehistoric Halloween, creatures i
1: go out and i
0: see some fucking white girl in a trilobite costume All right <laughs> i'm <laughs>
1: sick of it i'm fucking sick of it right <laughs> trilobites <laughs> cus- culture is not your they, costume they, my they, friend yeah, they've been it's through
0: Precambrian enough. uh appropriation we took their music
1: <laughs> we're taking
0: their lenses <laughs> Ugh, you know what I mean, and then like there's gonna, and obviously every now and then there's some fucking movie comes out where Kevin Costner joins the Trilobites, and it's like just to make us feel
3: good about ourselves. Um, and I want to so, make sure that that Mallow knows that what he's trying to do there with his joke is either Silurian or Devonian. <laughs> uh, uh, th- that's the that's the reference that you're looking for, not uh,
0: okay. Thanks. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So well, I, I don't uh, know what you're talking about. What is that? So that's or... the
3: period that these that trilobites uh, survived oh, oh so, yes, yes from early to late Silurian to the uh, uh, to middle to late Devonian is when they were on the earth so, I always so wh- get my epics uh, confused
1: <laughs> yep. yes. so when the entire light field is captured using one of these light field cameras you end up with enough information to reconstruct the scene in terms of color depth transparency specularity refraction and occlusion and you can adjust things like focus depth of field tilt and perspective shift once the photo is already taken mm. the trouble thus far has been extending the depth of field without losing spatial resolution or losing color information or closing down the aperture so much that shutter speed becomes an issue so oh, this is you know,
3: dr- the you want it, the color information from far away otherwise how are you going to continue to oppress black and brown people
1: <laughs> mm. so this is this is um, mm. uh, so, so, it's an so array just, of
0: lenses is, is, yeah is the exactly so so
1: that's the the, the the deal with like a standard basic like, get rid of light field camera just talking about a basic <laughs> camera if you're talking about the depth of field of a basic camera the smaller the aperture the deeper the depth of field right but that, oh. that comes with so the more of it, depth you can have in focus at any one time, but that comes with the problem that less light is allowed through. Right. So Correct. you... And the
0: curve of the lens focuses the light towards the sensor, um, but you're dealing with one lens. Right. So right. what this is, it's a flat surface of glass, uh, So it's so it's taking all the light coming at it in in an extremely flat way but it's studded with a million tiny rectangular nanoscale titanium dioxide pillars and each of these pillars is precisely shaped and oriented to manipulate light in specific ways Um, the nanopillars bend light by different amounts if it's left circular polarized or right circular polarized a different amount of bending leads to a different focal point so the researchers already effectively had two focal points to work with um, the problem is a single sensor could only capture a focused image from one of these focal points. So, the researchers positioned these- Add na- more in. And yeah, exactly. Well, they positioned the nanopillar uh, me- uh, metal lenses to make sure that some of the light that entered each of them had to go through the long side of the rectangle. Some went through the shorter path. This bent the light again by two different amounts and created two different focal points. Um, so it seems to me that this is very similar to stereo imaging, but if you, imagined, right. if you imagine the head turned perpendicular to a sound source, uh, even if the volume's very similar, you'll know direction based on ears. The, there's, a, there's such a nanosecond difference between sound hitting your left and right ear, you can determine direction. And right. it seems like that's what they're doing.
3: With, with light with light yeah that's
1: right and it, there's a diagram we'll, we'll put the link on in the show notes as we always do and there's a diagram here that sort of explains how it, it shows how the the near and far objects get sent to sort of different directions and different polarized light using these lenses um and, so it can be reconstructed after the fact
0: and in the comments uh, which i always like to read the comments on articles like this uh, Daz Larry teen asks, could this have an application for contact lenses?
1: And I think the answer is no, no.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> um, happy to help there. <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me.
3: Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not, listen, we're not laughing at Daz. Okay? No, no one, we're one laughing. Would. We're laughing with Daz. We're laughing with that's Daz. A, that's that's it's going to be on, uh, on uh, yeah uh, is the CW this year, um, so so I, I, it, it sounds amazing. It's definitely going to be helpful to Grover for his near far bit, but uh, I don't. I, I as a filmmaker, I don't I don't have a need for that because all I have to do is change my lens out, and I've got both of the things that this thing does. Uh, I I get the convenience of one lens, but, uh, boy, it sure seems like a lot of uh, invention. Uh, uh, But it's for one shot.
0: I mean, if you, you know, you're changing the lens out, uh, you don't capture both at the same time.
3: I guess that's true. Right, 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 right.
1: Yeah. But Um, also, I don't think this this is so far mostly for still images and also for... uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. This is, it's not going to look film. I
2: don't think the main angle is that they're, they're that, that they're even trying to develop a consumer
0: product line. Right. right. Uh, yeah, it's, that's exactly right. Right. It's like a scientific breakthrough. <laughs> but it also it wouldn't look. I, I mean I don't imagine. I imagine it would be really good for uh, something you know monitoring yeah. or security, probably military purposes. Security and military, <laughs> yeah, and
3: possibly but, possibly looking out into space. But yeah,
0: but it won't look good on film because it won't look like how our eyes. See, right. Um, so it would look unrealistic and photoshopped. I think you know, right. Um, like if you imagine the mountains in the background are
3: perfectly in focus with the,
0: like it's going to look fucking weird.
3: Yeah, only a trilobite would enjoy a movie made with this lens. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, mm-hmm. and they deserve mm-hmm. the arts. After all, they've contributed to our arts. Um, hey, they gave us. Did they give us oxygen?
0: Am I getting that right? I don't know if that's right. I don't know. We've taken too much from these trilobites.
1: <laughs> uh, we have. I now, bet they were delicious. Um <laughs> and on, on that note we, we, we should probably wrap up the main episode yes. the main episode of this show.
0: So Brian, um, Emery, where can our listeners find uh both well, of you? How can they how can they track you down? How can they watch And most
1: importantly, how there? can they find science friction? Mm-hmm. Your yeah, well, your brand
3: new people, movie. If, if you want to find science friction, you can find it by going to Amazon Prime Video and paying a dollar ninety nine. Stop bitching, you cheapskate. Or you can watch it for free by going over to Tubi TV. They insert ads, and that's how it's paid for. You can do either or. The only question you have is, to be or not to be. That's the
1: <laughs> question. Well, we checked. We checked the other day, and Tubi so far is is not available if you are in the UK right. and are using a computer that is allowing the website to know that you're in the UK. Yeah, and I, I will say no more about intellig-
3: that. I forgot you had an intelligence audience. Also, here's something. My mom wanted to watch it on Tubi. And so I get on f- with her. And we're. Uh, she's got her camera, which she can barely hold still, aimed at her TV and her Apple TV on and trying to run it. We search for science fiction. Nothing. It doesn't show. We search for Emery Emery, and it comes up. And it's and then she hits it and hits play, won't play. Literally wouldn't play. Hmm. So I don't know what's going on, Tubi, but it wouldn't play. We went over to one of my other Shows that I have on Tubi, um, and it play it played that one. The play button worked normally. It was a nightmare. Had to search for my name just to find the title. Then I had her search again using uh, Emory Emery, and it doesn't show it. It literally didn't show it the second time we searched for Emory Emery. It showed two of my my projects that they have on there, uh, both stand up comedy specials. Didn't even show the other one. We search a third time, it shows it. Tubi, get your shit together. Can yeah. You say shit? No, no. The
0: the company Tubi does famously listen to this con, uh, this podcast. Um, <laughs> thank you. Because senti- I have no contact. Probably with no. Probably. The, the sentient entity that is Tubi um, <laughs> sits in their home and listens. Well, thank you. So I, I every, you every, yeah, everybody, watch Science Friction, will you?
1: Yeah, and where yeah. can they? Where can I listen? Find see Paul out McCarthy the the other. And then
0: go
3: to Brian's house. <laughs> and if you you'd like to reach me, me you can find me at Emory, Emory II on Twitter or you could just call me at 818-634-4070 send me a text and say hi. And I uh don't come to Raleigh
2: just I'm easy to find virtually at science comedian most places and check out come to YouTube. I'm I'm science comedian on YouTube. I've been putting up new new and old content from the archives, and new interviews with people like Matt and Emery, in fact. That's um, true. Yeah.
1: So what is there for that. People?
3: You can also go visit him at 357 Oak Street in uh, Raleigh, <laughs> North Carolina. Tonight. I feel sorry for anyone who lives at that address. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there probably is one because it, it's the city of Oaks, so I'll bet I, I don't know of an Oak Street, but I'll bet there is one here.
1: I'm looking it up now. And uh, you can find us, as always, probablyscience.com individually at uh, pro, oh, pro, at Probably Science rather on Twitter individually at Jesse Case at Matt Kirshen find at Andy T. Wood as well and where is Andy tonight? he's, he's got a job that is going through the weekends he's working on a new show yeah, and it's kind of it doing is, like oh, a magic man. mic type thing uh, <laughs> <my life. laughs> uh, probably size nice at gmail.com stuff. is the email address for any questions comments clarifications, stories you would like us to cover uh, probably science.com is where we put all of the links to the stories we cover and also our paypal and patreon links we'll do an extra story at the end for our patreon patrons um but in the meantime thank you Emery, and thank you before Brian. before
3: you wrap it up though aren't you going to tell them what topic we're going to talk about they're missing out on i mean that's how this works matt
1: Oh, uh, well, that would be a – I don't I don't. I don't even we, know what this – Yeah, well, so, so what we do, um, just for those of you that gonna
3: don't – We're going to be talking about Elon Musk no, and no. how he should or shouldn't be buying Twitter. No. That's what you're those missing. those of you no, that don't no. subscribe
0: okay. to the Patreon, what we do is we pick a random listener that doesn't subscribe to the Patreon, and we make fun of them for three hours. <laughs> um, we, we dive into their life. We find them on Facebook. We find them on Twitter. We look at their Instagram. We make fun of their past relationships. Relationships, their parents, um we do an ancestry.com sort of search. You go you go deep and it gets really
1: personal. Yeah, no, it gets I,
0: really it gets really personal. It's borderline say, illegal, but we
1: it makes me very uncomfortable every week, but we you know we, we have to really our Patreon patrons expect it, so yeah we yeah. have to keep doing it. So Devin, we're laughing with
3: um, Daz. We're not laughing at Daz. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: uh this week it's gonna be Devin Finnegan. Who knows when it could be you? So um <laughs> yeah, so we're gonna go talk about Devin now. Thanks for listening bye